Hey everybody, this is Brian Bickford from Mainly Matters and this is the Travel and Tourism channel. I interview people about travel experiences or travel businesses and what makes Maine vacation land. Hey, listen, I did something really amazing this weekend and I'm actually kind of disturbed that I didn't do it sooner, but I'm not sure if you know this, but there's a place that's just magical on the coast of Maine and Booth Bay Harbor and it's called the Coastal Maine Botanical Gardens. And I'm going to tell you, I had, I have traveled, you guys know, I have traveled the world. I've lived in Tokyo and Europe and all over, I've seen, you know, gardens of, you know, of, of uh, Vienna. And I'm telling you, you guys got to get to the Coastal Maine Botanical Gardens. And so this is going to be a special show about this experience that I just experienced just like five days ago, and we were all blown away. And so what this means to me is that I have an added responsibility as a host to all my friends that come to Maine, that every time they come now and say, what are we going to do? I'm going to have to take them to the Coastal Maine Botanical Garden. It's going to cost me a lot. I better get some kind of frequent flyer thing. So, so in doing that, I was so jazzed about what happened to me and all my friends and experience in this place that I had to call them and I had to put together a panel. And so today we're actually represented by three people. You know, and first of all, I had to get to the the curator, the people that think about this stuff, the thing they, they manage it and they make it, put it together every single day. And so, so first of all, one of our panel members is Daniel Unger, and he's the vice president of guest experience and education. Yeah, hi Brian, and I'm so thrilled to hear that both you were blown away by the magic and that you now feel like you have a duty to share it. That's just, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that. Well, it's your fault, I think. And we're going to dig into that in a few minutes here. But I thought also as part of this to kind of round out this, you know, is that you know, we needed to talk about not just people like me who just went, but we also had to bring in some super fan who actually knows more about it from a consumer standpoint and an edu educational standpoint. So I had to invite, and I actually found this amazing person by the name of Tish Stoneburner. Hello, Tish. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on tonight. And I just have to tell you, I think I'm a little bit like you. I sort of dragged my heels to the Coastal Maine Botanical Garden party. But when I got there, I went, well, you never told me it was like this. Uh, yeah. I mean, th this it, this is the one thing you cannot talk about it. You have to come and see it. Yeah. You have to. See it. I so agree with you. You know, and so it's kind of funny. And so so here it is. I was there with some friends, and uh, and so we started to you know go around. We got over to the uh, to the little fairy village and all that stuff. And one of my friend Neil's down. I said, "This is the most beautiful fairy hut I've ever seen." And that hut belonged to Dr. Lauren Dyer, who's our first timer <laughs> panel member. Hello, Doctor. How are you? Hi, Brian. Thank you so much. Um, and I mean, like you said, I I became enchanted by the gardens immediately and felt like I had to immerse myself in the fairy garden village, especially a special uh, special creatures, even from childhood. Right. But um, like you said, I I now also share your duty in wanting to make sure that all of my family members and friends who visit Maine now go there. Oh, so great. it's now part of my repertoire. <laughs> well, I tell you, you know, uh, Lauren, if you need 47 pictures of your fairy hut, we have it. So just let me know oh, because we took lots of pictures of it. So, so here, let's, we've got a lot to kind of um, unwind here a little bit. And uh, there's a lot here at this place. And I want you guys to really understand the enthusiasm that really is, is part of this experience. But first, I'm going to put Daniel on the spot here and and tell us a little bit about the history and the, the vision that and, and the location of, of, of why this thing happened 
Yeah, that's a great question. So Coastal Maine Botanical Gardens is not really like any other botanical garden in many ways, including our story. You know, all over the country, most botanical gardens, they might be uh, run by the city, they might be run by the university, oftentimes it's a former estate. In our case, we call ourselves the People's Garden because we were founded just by a group of residents of Midcoast Maine that realized that Maine did not have a botanical garden and they wanted to put the premier botanical garden for all of New England on the map somewhere in Midcoast Maine. And their story started, I think, back in 1995 or so. Mm -hmm. They began searching up and down the coast to find a place that would make a suitable home for New England's premier botanical garden. They ended up finding this property in Booth Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a slated to be a development, and it has turned into a botanical garden instead. And this group of original founders actually put second mortgages on their home to purchase the original wow. property. So, wow. you know, kind of start to, it's a magical place to visit, and it's a magical story start to finish because it's just been a dream in the making, and we would not be here today without so many people that, poured a lot of love into this place, and it starts with this original group that just had this big dream and then went door knocking and bake sales and all the old-fashioned stuff to eventually make this place come to life. We opened our doors in 2007, so this is our 15th season, and we had about 15 years of planning before that, before we actually opened our doors to the public. You know, that's, that's just amazing. You know, and I look at this and I go, okay, it's one thing to think about something, conceive it. It's putting it to, you know, the, there's the devil in the details and, and, and super fan Tish did, did they do it? Did they hit it? Oh gosh. I mean, hello. Did Disney world put magic at the castle? Yeah, right. they did. Right. I mean, honestly, I mean, if you, Daniel, help me on this, but of my, as you go now into the new visitor center, into that sort of retention pond that now has the gardens all around it when you pass over the wetland, how old is that? Maybe three years old? Yeah, it is three years old. Yeah. So the, right. The first gardens you see are actually pretty new. Yeah. It looks like it's been there forever. I mean, Brian and Lauren, that was nothing but a retention pond. Right. And now when you cross over those bridges, you see these lush gardens that have sort of slowly grown up, you know, not slowly, but very quickly grown up and look like they've been there. I mean, with a little added uh, touches of sculptures and the, the naturalization of the butterflies and the birds that now just gravitate towards it. It looks like it's been there for the, forever. And it's what, Daniel, three years. Mm-hmm. You know, and Lauren, you know, you and I, I think we're there, we're there on the same day. What was your impression? When did you finally get that feeling that this is not your typical grandmother garden? In terms of, oh, in terms of for me? Yeah. When you came through that, at what point did you decide like, wow, this is something really special? I thought almost immediately when I crossed over the wetlands into, you know, the Dahlia garden that to know in itself, because Dahlias are actually one of my, well, really my favorite flower aside from hydrangea Mm -hmm. and, you know, the main lupine, but Dahlias have always been my favorite flower. And to know that there was a, a, a sacred designation. For, for that species, that that immediately drew drew my heart and my soul right in. And to know that, um, you know, someone, you know, the people who cultivated this land and these gardens, um, you know, they're they're meticulous, they're intentional, mm. um, and and they're beautiful, and it shows. So I mean, 
and, and that's where that's where I was blown away. It was it was the intentional design, the designations, and I I can't speak for the those who, you know, till the land and and know how to pair the certain species together because I I mean it's an entire living ecosystem that you're walking through inch right. by inch. And so to to I can't even fathom the studies and research that has to go into knowing, you know, what what flowers need to be paired together or, you know, shrubs and whatnot, like which ones are going to cohabitate in a in a yeah. symbiotic fashion, which ones need to be planted far from each other. I mean, there's so much planning. And Daniel, you know, you had spoken to that as well. I mean, 15 years in the making and and the magic is evident now. So Daniel, let's unpack that a little bit. What kind of thinking went into really deciding what goes where what type of, because you're, you're talking about education, you're talking about, you know, so many different layers here. Talk about that thinking. Yeah, you know, so I was, I, have, I was not around in those days, but I think that people were guided in particular by an inspiration to create something that was unique, unique to the country and then mm. specific to the Maine coast. And we have such a sense of place here in Maine and on the coast as well. So actually, the first gardens were not any of the central gardens that you experience today. The first gardens were actually what are now our most far-flung gardens, including the Giles Rhododendron Garden, deep in the woods. It's a gorgeous acre uh, garden of rhododendrons and other wooded, shade-loving plants. And it used to be you just drove in on a dirt road and Mm. pulled over by a little wooden kiosk, and that was the first thing that you could experience. And the gardens actually built, the gardens really kind of grew out from the woods and the uh, gardens that we grew from there were in the forest and then those were the first places you could visit before we sort of had our grand opening with our visitor center and with the fact you could actually pay admission and get a ticket and so on Mm -hmm. and that was the early days before 2007 and then when we opened up we had our core central gardens Uh, but I think throughout there's been an emphasis on native plants there's been an emphasis on the main landscape there's been an emphasis on ecological sustainability and really inspiring people by showing them what a really diverse and thriving landscape can look like. So yeah. from the get-go, it's, we've wanted it to be a place where, you know, either you're learning about sustainability, maybe because you took a class mm-hmm. or um, you joined a tour, or maybe just because of walking through the gardens, you're able to observe and pick things up and have these wonderful moments like the ones that being described. You know, and it's really interesting too, because you know what what gets people there the first time. And, and 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 Tish, you and I shared something. Could you tell us what is the thing that got you there, and then what was your aha moment? Like, what is happening? Well, I'm I'm embarrassed to tell you what got me there. I mean, I live as Dan knows. I live maybe five minutes from the gardens. Well, that is an and, embarrassment. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a gentleman in town, a local art dealer, uh, Dennis Gleason, uh, for, uh, who kept asking me that summer, please come to a SEMSOC evening to enjoy cocktails at the garden. I kept putting them off, putting them off. And long story short, my daughter was here and said, this is embarrassing. You have got to go. So I looked at her at the, at the time. She was 38. And I said, if you go, I'll go thinking I am so safe. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm in. So the next thing I know, we're in the car and I'm fuming. We get there. And it's the old, Brian, it's the old visitor center. It's where the market is now. Mm-hmm. And just, and where you all, Dan, correct me, the coming up through the wetlands and everything now in that spot just before the uh, the market was the parking lot, correct? That, yep. that you, it was that, all parking. All mm-hmm. parking. 
So we got out of our car and and came up to the to the visitor center and just going into the visitor center, just walking in from the parking lot to the visitor center, right. you knew this was going to be big. I mean, this just isn't like you said, your grandmother's garden. Right. And then once you got out on uh, to the to the grand lawn and then looked to your right and saw the the kitchen garden and the children's garden and to the five senses of the, the learner five senses garden to your left and the 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 rock whale in front of you with that beautiful sculpture that mm-hmm. just sort of went around i mean you're you're just taking in hook line and sinker yeah, i mean I know. and i'm gonna ask so- I'm going to ask the same question to, to Lauren, you know, you just, you guys are, it's a Sunday. You guys are thinking about what to do. What got you there for the first time? So really it was the, the trolls, the, the guardians of the seeds. I had been seeing on Instagram, a a bunch of friends and acquaintances who I follow each sporadically throughout the summer, uh, making their way to the gardens and, and taking these pictures. And I remember the first time I saw a picture with someone, you know, beneath one of the trolls. And I was like, where, what country are they in? <laughs> you right, know? Right. Where are they? Yeah. Um, and then, and then when you see the small tag, you know, main botanical gardens or, or, you know, whatever their tag is on Instagram, it's, it's like, okay, let's go. We've got to go there. Yeah. Um, and just the, the mystical quality. And I had heard from some other friends that, you know, even those who have lived in Maine longer than I have, that they'd been meaning to get to the botanical gardens just because of the holiday traditions, you know, I, apparently, and maybe Tish, you could speak to this, but it, maybe there's some sort of light show around Christmas. Oh, and yeah. Whatnot. It's, it's okay. amazing. Gardens of Glow. You have to, and if you're in, win- you have to. You have no excuse, Lauren. You no, have no, to. no way. <laughs> you know this. Now. This I have to. I have to say. Brian, Brian, echoes for you. Okay, I'm coming. I'm going to come to your house for tea, though. But um, <laughs> here's the thing: is that um, you can build it. They don't always come, and so this is the genius, I think of the coastal Maine botanical gardens because they're creating events that you have to see, and so. If you wouldn't mind, Daniel, can you tell me about the thinking about, um, and we'll get back to the um, to the lights and stuff, but tell me about the thinking about and, and how that whole thing happened with the trolls, because that's a very unique, off-the-grid kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Guardians of the Seed. So um, the artist who created those five trolls, his name is Thomas Dambo, and you know, you were right to ask where in the world was your Instagram friend because uh, he, he does install these trolls all over the world. They're in China, they're in Mexico, um, and we were really fortunate to base, be his first US, U.S.-based installation since the pandemic started. He's done a couple other things in the U.S., nothing really in uh, anywhere on the East Coast. Um, and he, we met with him almost a year and a half before we opened the Guardians of the Seas, and we just had a really natural synergy because as an artist, he's really focused on connecting people to nature through these giant trolls, which sounds really goofy in a way, but what these trolls really are, they are guardians to him. They are protectors of nature. They are these sort of semi-spiritual creatures that have they're not quite human. They have some kind of mystical relationship with the earth. And he really uses his trolls as a way to get people to step out of their day-to-day life and just have a, just open their eyes up to seeing the world around them a little bit differently. You know, there's and enough, there's he enough, has a really yeah. strong environmental message. All those yeah. trolls are actually made out of uh, 
recycled lumber. A yes. lot of them literally dumpster dived, yeah. and they're mostly made out of salvaged pallets. And so he's really strong about this idea that they're made out of trash and they're here in the woods to teach people about the woods and get people into the woods and inspire them about the beauty of the forest. And, and that was so perfect for us because that's, that's our mission to a T. We want to get people out into nature and inspire them and educate them through that inspiration. And, you know, there's all kinds of ways to do that. For some people, it's dahlias and seeing such an amazing collection right. of dahlias. For some people, mm-hmm. it's being on our wetlands trail. Mm. You know, and for families and for people of all ages, these trolls have just opened up a whole different way to connect people to nature, to kind of go on an adventure and a journey to find them. And along the way, you learn the story about these trolls. They all have an individual personality, and they all have a connected story between them. Mm -hmm. And it's just been a really, really great way to connect people to the Maine woods in a way that we couldn't do without his art. You know, it's so interactive, too. And I, I noticed on your site, there's a thing called Find the Hidden Seeds. What is that? Is a process of finding the hidden seeds? You've got to go to each troll. You go to each troll, right? So you go to each troll and you've got to read the board that's out there. Right. And it gives you a hint of what's there. And then you, for the children, you bubble in, yeah. you know, get the word, the, the secret word, and it takes you down where this is the genius, 180 in the other direction of the garden right. to collect your prize, finding the seeds. Oh, I see. Okay. I wasn't even aware of that. Oh, yeah. And oh, Ryan, the other thing that's so great, and Daniel touched on this, the gardens are so multi-generational. Mm. I mean, I'm, my husband and myself, we're in our 70s. I have four daughters in their 30s. I have nine grandchildren, a set of one-year-old twins, eight and under. We all love it. And we don't just go for an hour. We go for four hours. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, and it just is, it's just wonderful for everybody. Everybody. The fairy village, Lauren, where you built your chateau, can I tell you how many I've witnessed, myself oh. included? But it, it, it's, and it's, it, 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 it's always changing. Daniel, don't you, the garden is always, it's always changing. I've been as, so many times, but Daniel, not nearly how many you've been, but I find it's always changing. So it's kind of it's kind yeah, of interesting. That it's really the brilliance of the horticulturist, yeah, like Lauren was, was saying. I, I mean, we are all kind of in awe. Those of us who aren't on the horticultural team of the work that they do, because it's the same for us. We go get out on a walk for a lunch break, and we see something completely new from the last time we went on a walk. And they, and that's across all three seasons. Whether you come in May, you know, July, September, October, you it will not be the same visit. You know, we brought a teenager with us, um, kind of a, you know, it was a a teenager that was just learning photography and probably a little uh, unsure about her, her vision. But I'm telling you by the, by the half hour into it, what she was taking and what she was sharing was so visceral, you know? Um, And just from that standpoint of engaging the, uh, the art, engaging the, um, the exhibit, you know, through that individual and I think every time you go, like you say, you can find something different that's really personal to you. And I'm looking at your categories of, 
you know, from from gardening and um, horticulture, you have botany and ecology, you have garden crafts, wellness, botany, arts, and photography, and then a certificate in botany, arts, and this professional horticultural classes that you have. So, so Daniel, talk a little bit about that educational component, and, and you're part of that. You're part of the management that, that puts that together. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, thank you. The education is a huge part of our mission, and it's really kind of our, our reason for being, whether it's because you came for the day and you learned something about Maine or you learned something new about how to help make a difference to help protect our planet, or whether it's about some of the more in-depth classes that you're describing. You know, one of the things that came out of the pandemic, a lot of places did this. We unrolled a lot more online classes that have reached a lot of new audiences for folks. We also have some really in-depth programs. We have a certificate in native plants and ecological horticulture for people that Mm. really want to go in deep about how they can make a difference in their yards with the habitats, with what they're growing, and how they can turn their yard into a place that's a sanctuary for plants and animals and is a place to a little bright spot of biodiversity that helps work against climate change. And you can go in for years in some of those classes. And we just recently have done a new track that's specifically for people who work in landscaping or landscape design or horticulture so they can keep building their skills. And, you know, a lot of what I'm talking about is increasingly customers are demanding. They want pollinator-friendly yards. They want bee-friendly plantings. And so we've developed a series of classes that are really to help professionals respond to that consumer demand and get better at strengthening that part of their skill set. So there's really something for everyone. If you want to do something online for an hour or if you want to sign up for a a certificate that's going to take a few years to complete, Mm. our goal is really, you know, reach people kind of wherever they're at and wide range of content and give people something that inspires them for, you know, whether they've got a balcony deck uh, somewhere in the city or whether they've got a larger piece of land or thinking about how to manage mm. that uh, we're a source of inspiration for them and a source of material for how they can make a difference when they're gardening. So Superfan Tish has been going there for almost 11, 11 years, maybe even more. And so how are you using uh, the garden now? What is that? What is your go-to um, primarily for you? How does it, how does it take care of you? You mean the botanical gardens or my yes. own person? Yeah, botanical gardens. The botanical? Uh-huh. It, the, the botanical, well, it's, it, it's, it's very spiritual for me, if you yeah. must know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's where I go. I, I For five years, I did, was on the horticultural crew volunteering. And then the last three, I've done roving ambassador, where you can just get lost on the trails and you meet people and talk to them and answer questions. But then when you get into the fall months, it becomes a little less you know, populated. So you're free to go out there with your own soul and your own mind. And, um, I mean, it's alive out there for me spiritually. Yeah. yeah. That's what's mm-hmm. wonderful. And, you know, talk a little bit, we have the holiday coming up and I know there'll probably be a transition because you just spoke about the autumn seasons coming up, but, um, Daniel, the, uh, and I, again, I'm going to be embarrassed to say, I've seen all the pictures, you know, like Lauren, you know, um, the garden to glow, Everybody walks away with their mouths open and saying, this is amazing. you got to go. So talk to us about that and, and what to expect this year. Yeah, Gardens Aglow. I like how Tish put it. You have no excuse not to go. Um, <laughs> you so, hear that, Lauren? we got to go back. Gardens Aglow um, will be a drive-through experience again this year. Um, and it's, even though it's mostly an outdoor event, it's not entirely an outdoor event, and it's a pretty large volume of people 
And so for in terms of COVID precautions, it'll be a drive-through experience this year as it was last year. So for anybody listening that's attended in the past, uh, in the past it's been uh, a walk through the gardens, um, but it's drive-through again, and that was really popular last year. And mm. Uh, in some ways was more accessible for folks that getting around and walking around in the winter and on the snow and ice is difficult. Um, and so the drive is, doesn't take you deep into the heart of the garden because the, um, vehicles wouldn't fit, but it does weave around a bunch of different portions of our property using some of the roads that are typically used only by staff when we're open. And um, we estimate that it takes about 20 to 25 minutes to drive through the entire light experience. And I've just been sitting here trying to pull up our open date. Uh, we open the weekend before Thanksgiving, and then we typically do uh, Thursday through Sunday every weekend. And then as it gets close to Christmas, it's from Christmas to New Year's Eve every night, 4 to 9 o'clock. So first-timer Lauren... Um, you're like me, we're still, we're still on that high, right? So what's, (laughs) what's, what are we going to do? What's, what's the next thing for us to kind of think about, you know, how do we become a, um, a a Tish, a super fan? Like, what are we thinking about from your perspective about going back and what is it going to be part of our, how's it going to be part of our life? You know, I, I definitely want to make it a rhythm seasonally if it's possible. And, um, and maybe Daniel or Tish, you can speak to this too, but especially with, with the fall coming up, I'm not sure if there's any, um, sort of fall festival. Like, is there something in between now and the light show? Granted, I feel like they're right. Like everyone's declared there's, there's no excuse not to make it a, um, you know, a seasonal attraction or just to go as you feel called to. And, and Tish, I, I, I definitely resonate with what you said in that it was a very spiritual experience for me as well. So and not that I need a reason to go, but I'm, I am curious to know if there is something taking place to, to celebrate the autumn and, you know, the, the vivid colors that come out in Maine, which, which is frankly rare, you know, as someone from New York, you know, and I've seen as over the years and talk about sustainability in our environment, you know, the, the colors that um, come up in New York are nowhere near as vivid as they are in Maine. You got that right. You got that right. Thank you, Maine. Um, (laughs) Daniel, 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 do you want to talk about pumpkins? (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, the thing to see really is, it's as you're describing it, it really is the way that the the show of the plant changes going into fall. And it's not just the trees and the tree foliage that we always think of, because in the gardens, we have grasses that turn beautiful, brilliant colors, and we have... You know, we've got berry bushes and all kinds of shrubs, and it's just, it really is absolutely gorgeous. There's a bunch of fall-blooming flowers that come into their peak in some of the last couple of weeks that were actually mm-hmm. open. And so you'll still see a surprising amount of blooms throughout mm-hmm. the gardens. And we always decorate a little bit with pumpkins to get festive for the season. <laughs> and we right. are part of the pumpkin trail that includes the Damascata Pumpkin Fest and all of the festivities around that. Um, wow. For us this year, with Guardians of the Seeds being such a major exhibit. We've really done nothing on the scale of Guardians of the Seas before. Mm -hmm. We don't have an additional fall event. Um, You can come see the trolls and all their autumnal splendor and enjoying (laughs) the the autumn light. Wonderful. And and that's plenty. (laughs) No, that's, that's, that's great. And do the, do the trolls, are you going, is the park open during the winter? I mean, is that all like, uh, is that shoveled or or plowed? Can you still go through and see the trolls through the winter or how's that, how's that going to play out? 
right, yeah, right, right now we are not open through the winter. We have big dreams to become a big uh, year-round destination for folks. Um, but right now we do close October 17. Uh, and then open up again in the spring with the exception of Gardens Aglow. Okay. So here's here's the part of the show. If you listened to my shows before, this is the uh, the game show part. And so we're gonna Ooh. put we're gonna put Tish on the spot here and uh, Daniel, you're gonna be the judge, so I can kind of remain, you know, kind of neutral. Um Tish, you ready for this? Yeah. Here's your first question. Oh boy. N- name all the trolls. Uh Roska, Grow, Soren. Burke and Lilja. Let me check with my job. Got it. That's 100% yeah. correct. You are good for your good so far. We're going to go. Okay. Now we've got one for Lauren, Ooh. Lauren. And, uh, and actually Tisha is going to be the judge on this one. Okay. Uh, we know that there's lots of beetles. Okay. Throughout Maine. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. Which one of our panels have actually spoken to the British beetles? Oh my gosh! You know, I feel like I'm on um, what's that show? Want to be a millionaire? I'm going to go with the fifty-fifty option, and I'm going to say Daniel. <laughs> uh, Tish, is that right? No, I'm sorry, Lauren, but in 1964, when you were not even probably born, we're <laughs> <laughs> in Jacksonville, Florida, <laughs> and I had a chance to be in an interview with them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I know. We... Don't, don't tell. Don't, don't that tell was a hard me. question. That was a hard question. <laughs> really, I was off. Really I was off grid a little bit, you know. But they have to be. Can't be all givers. Now, now, <laughs> Daniel, this is for you and Lauren, who is just super smart, um, is going to be the judge. Okay. <laughs> so, Daniel, uh, what is the migration pattern of a monarch butterfly? Oh well. I'm assuming you're talking about the monarchs that are here in the Northeast um, because we, they do follow slightly different patterns, whether you're on the East or West, but they all end up in Mexico. Let me check with my judge, Lauren. Is that correct? That actually sounds correct. That's 100% correct. You are our, our winner today. Thank you very much, Daniel. Very well done. So Daniel, what is it that we want listeners to know about the gardens and, uh, and what's coming up? Uh, could you say that one more time? I said, what is it that we want our listeners to know about the garden? Like, what is coming up, and what do they need to know in order yeah. to, to participate? You know, mm-hmm. it, this, it has been such a pleasure for me to listen to the other panelists talk, because, <laughs> you know, I can say what I want, but is to hear it from the voices of people who have been there and fallen in love with it, and you really understand why staff fall in love with working there, too, and why we're so committed to what we do. Um, you know, it's our mission to inspire people. It's an, our mission to make meaningful connections to people. People are a huge part of who we are and why we do what we do, because mm-hmm. we all need that deeper connection to nature. We need it personally for our souls and we've touched on that and we need it because we need something to continue to inspire us to make a distance difference to help protect this planet and Mm -hmm. so to listen to other folks talk and put that in their own words is is, you know that's been such a pleasure for me because that is that's what brings us joy is to know that we are making that impact for people and you know as you've heard in this call it doesn't matter whether you're one year old or whether Mm. you're in your 80s or in your 90s our goal is that it's a place that inspires and brings joy at all ages and um 
touches people in many different ways. And I've just heard that in so many different ways over the course of this evening. Um, That's, that's what drives what we do. You know, the the big thing to look forward to next, I would encourage folks fall. It does get a little quieter in fall and it is a gorgeous place in the fall. Uh, So as some of our tourism starts to wind down, it's a great time to come and visit. If you haven't made it yet, if you have made it, um, as we've talked about, it won't be the same place if you come back this fall. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Gardens Aglow. I think mean, Gardens Aglow is getting to be a well-known main tradition, but uh, there are all kinds of tricks we have planned up our sleeve mm. to make it even more exciting than last year. And so encourage people to come back for that, too. Oh, that's amazing. And so Superfan Tish, um, as a Superfan, and... Here, you know, you just you just got a hold of Brian and me and Lauren. Do we should become a member? How do we become a member? I mean, I would think that membership is really important and loyalty. Well, that is easy. Just walk right up when you get there, as you go right in and step up and you know take out that checkbook. <laughs> okay. Family <laughs> and and really, you talk about bang for your buck. Yeah, it's terrific. But but Brian, I do want to say this before we get, before yeah. I've said. As the as the trolls are the guardian of the seeds, mm-hmm. people like Daniel. Yeah, I cannot tell you, and I can speak because I, I I'm outside the box. I'm not like Daniel, and mm-hmm. but it's people like Daniel. It's that entire staff. It's it's from the CEO down to to you know sweeping the floors. Mm-hmm. Those people love that garden and that's why it is what it is there is so much love by the people that run that garden they are really the guardians of the garden yeah Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. they are phenomenal i can't say if if i could get stock in this place (laughs) you know that's in in lauren i gotta i gotta ask you you know that um you know, I don't think there was there's much detail that was left out. I mean, that the detail was there, and you felt it like I did, right? That that these people are paying attention. Yes, so meticulous, and I even made a comment that even it's like, are there such things as weeds in the botanical garden? Because even, <laughs> <laughs> even the weeds look meticulous and and, and intentional, or the you know, what was laying below the bridges or the foothold, like yeah. everything just looked like it was planned. <laughs> Maybe that's the new best, the new byline. It's a coastal Maine botanical garden, the most perfect weeds. I think that's <laughs> you. you can take that from me, Daniel. It's okay. Hey, listen, I want to thank you guys. I want to thank uh, Daniel Unger, the vice president of guest experience and education and super fan Tish Stoneburner. And of course, Dr. Laura Dyer, who's a first timer like me. I just got to thank you guys so much for your time and your effort and your, your enthusiasm that we're going to share this to the world and we're going to let them know. So they're not dummies like me who waited way too long that it could. So guys, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. You bet. Hey, this is Brian Bickford from Mainly Matters, and you're listening to the Tourism and Information Channel. Thank you guys so much. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good night to all of you. Good night. Good night.